All right, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Time Life Music Collections, Sounds of the 70s. Thank you, Time Life, for providing that feeling of it's an accident that I just can't look away from. In those early hours of the morning, thank you for providing the hours worth of viewing today's Halloween costumes for us to gaze upon with awe. Time Life Music Collection can only be seen between the hours of 2 and 5 a.m. on your local PBS channel. This content of this episode, uh, for international or informational purposes, what is that? What your intro? What that, that was your sponsor? That was my sponsor. What was that little bit at the end? That was like the little undertone, <laughs> last bit of <laughs> thing that they throw in there. Okay. The, the low voice, and they give you the zero percent. I do like the time life, whatever. It's so they're called, addicting. Though. Have you ever seen those? I don't think I have. No. She's probably too young. You don't have to be young. You can just get up at any time between the hours of 2 and 5 in the morning. I know, but how many people actually have regular TV anymore? That's true. Yeah. You, are you a streamer? Yep. Okay. We just got to streaming, so. Yeah. Um, it's like, like a late night infomercial, uh, yeah. and it's like a CD collection, and you've got like these two. But it's like all the videos of the 70s, like when they had music back then, and yeah. they actually did the videos, like halfway through our lifetime but anyway. it's like oh my god this is awful oh my god which is one more we just gotta watch one more song and yeah look at that guy's outfit look at that guy's hair look at oh my god look <laughs> at, look at her this was a good song yeah but yeah we turn it on we just can't look away <laughs> so if you ever get the chance check it out watch some late night tv yeah <laughs> don't know if you're into that or not but uh okay as you were Sorry. as i were okay uh as a disclaimer, the content of this episode is for informational purposes only and should be not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health care professional for any medical questions per request of our guest. And we'd like to welcome everybody to All the Things with Lane and Laney. Ooh, high five. You got it right. Well, don't just fake it. Do it. <laughs> he messes up our the name of our podcast almost every time. Almost. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I've only been Say doing welcome it a year. to Lane and Laney. I'm like, all the things with Lane and Laney. And then I'm here to rip on him when he does I was that. So. Say, I've not really passed the baton over to Laney <laughs> to do it. So, <laughs> But before we begin, we'd like to remind everyone of the media outlets uh, where our content can be viewed and listened to. So we are on Facebook <coughs> and Instagram. Both is all the things with Lane and Laney. And then we are anywhere you can find podcasts. Obviously, you found us because you're listening. And if you feel like emailing us for a show idea or just feedback, it's all the things with Lane and Laney at Gmail. Super. And with that, <coughs> excuse me, we'd like to welcome our guest, Megan, to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for joining us. This is, uh, I'm guessing, your first podcast. It definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> I gather from the information uh, that you were exchanging with me that maybe you felt a little bit awkward about it, and maybe it might have been your first podcast, but we get that a lot, so. I was a little bit nervous, oh, Yeah. but I think I'm, I'll be okay, I hope. Yeah, I think once you once you start talking, then it's, you know, we just like to have a conversation here. It's not not putting you on the spot at all or anything like that so yeah I think that that seems more we comfortable just, you know we like to hear what people do with their lives you know it's just totally different from anything we do in our daily life so that's what we do here plus the information is key I just like to hear all the different stuff that people do and your job to me because I used to be in the personal training and kinesiology field 
I think your job is particularly interesting just because it goes a step above and beyond what I used to teach and preach and stuff like that. So would you mind telling us what you do? Um, Yes. So I'm a nurse practitioner. Currently, I work in spine care. So um, I work patients up with back and neck pain. Um, I have also a background um, in primary care. I worked in primary care for a couple of years. Um, I've been working in aesthetics as well for uh, quite a few years, like eight years maybe. Um, I just do that per DM now. Um, And then I also um, started off originally in like those little clinics, kind of like a little urgent care as a nurse practitioner. And then obviously before that, I worked in the hospital for about six years on an intermediate floor with um, trauma patients and vents and stuff like that. Oh, okay. I'll say it's rude to ask a person's age, but you look extremely young. So I didn't, Thank you. <laughs> I didn't put you at a, a certain age, but then you started saying how many years you were at a certain yeah. places. And yeah. I'm like, wow. I'm, I'll be 37 next month. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. okay. It's the aesthetic. She yeah. knows how to take care of her face. <laughs> I'll say, do you apply? Um, I actually did age? just put Botox in last week. Did you? So, yeah, it had been almost a year since I had done it. I was oh. trying to see what it would look like, you know, yeah. going without it for so long. As I say, we're dying to get into the the questions around all of that, but I thought I'd, you know, kind of ask you the spine-related questions and stuff like that first. Um, um, Let's see here. So what what kind of schooling did you have to go through? Obviously, you're talking two separate lifestyles. Um, So for um, nurse practitioner, um, it's just a master's in nursing. Um, right now they do offer a doctorate, um, so I just have a master's in nursing, and then everything else has been learned on the job. Okay. Oh, even all the aesthetics like, and everything? Was, yep. Oh, cool. Um, we do, like, e-courses, um, and then we do um, practice, like, injections oh, to yeah. sign off on it to make sure we know how to do it. Cool. Well, I guess I kind of tie this in, but um, so dealing with aspects of the spine, does your, does your Botox work actually work on sensitive areas like the spine does it go would it go in and and deaden certain issues if there were issues that would arise or is this more like a topical it can be used for people that have like a lot like uh, migraines muscle tension and things like that they can use it to help like um, reduce the spasticity or tension in the um, the spine or not the spine itself but in the muscles that support the area so it can be used for like pain reduction and stuff like that, but they wouldn't actually inject it into the spine. Well, no, I didn't figure you'd actually go for the yeah. spinal cord or anything crazy <laughs> like that. I just figured the, the area that was inflamed or affected, instead of treating the symptoms, you go straight to the source and inject the Botox and deaden some nerves or... No, it's more of a just... Um, so like, I guess cosmetically we use very small units, you know, to paralyze the smaller muscles in like your face when you go into larger, um, areas like your upper traps and stuff, or, you know, for the neck for like migraines and stuff, they'll use a lot larger, um, amount of units, Okay. which I don't know all of that, but I just know it's used. So I know I've just jumped to right into the Botox stuff, yeah. but you know, does it, um, is it used more in a smaller dose or can you use the bigger doses and in and encompass a bigger area and you said well, that she just said in the muscles the, the traps i mean would it would it cover that entire broad span of that muscle or would it 
you use like just a bigger solution to hit one, two, three, four spots. So they would probably use um, just more units or I guess it, that would be like MLs or however you want to go yeah. about it. But you would put probably multiple injections over the whole area of the muscle would be my guess. Because when we do it like in the forehead, we'll hit the different muscles in there to make sure we get coverage. Okay. So you don't actually do anything other than just the face for for Botox, Botox yeah. And um, I mean, it seems to be like it's super popular now to get it done. Um, I would love to get it done. Like I have this spot right here in my brow. I always call it my WTF line. <laughs> and um, I just, but I see so many people that have had so much of it done, or you know, they've got the fillers and the Botox and the this and that, and they don't even look like themselves anymore. Um, like, do you find it's becoming like a drug to people? Um, I, like they get addicted to it? Uh, I would say yes. Yeah. Yeah. You see some people that you're just like, why do you keep, you know, yeah. overdoing it? Like right. Botox, usually, you know, that's going to wear off in three to four months, depending upon okay. how your body metabolizes it. Um, so that I don't think you can necessarily overdo too much. Um, if you want it to look more natural, you don't have to use as many units. Okay. Um, or like for me, I don't really like them on my crows too much cause I just yeah. feel like it makes my smile look weird. Right. Um, but I definitely like think people, you know, overfill their like lips and things like that and do some of those things too much. Do you do filler too? Or is that, so what's the difference between so filler, filler is actually going to be, um, um, an injectable, um, that we put like to fill like deficits. So if you want your lips more plump or to fill your smile lines in, okay. they have it also um, a mid face where they can inject it to kind of give you more of like that cheekbone look. Okay. Um, so what about like this line in my forehead? Would that be filler or would that be? So like some offices will fill those lines in there. Um, the office I work at, we don't. We would just um, use the Botox there. Um, okay. You would inject in this muscle and then your um, corrugators out here and here. Okay. That'll help to prevent your butt or you from making that frown face. Okay. Can it ultimately prevent her from making that frown <laughs> face? I mean, I feel like that's her favorite face. I mean, to get that, like right now that. I'm trying really hard and that's as much movement as I have. Okay. Okay. So it just paralyzes those muscles so you can't. Interesting. So what's in the filler? I've always um, wondered that. It's a that. hyaluronic acid. So oh, does that so just not react with either tissues or your body doesn't try to metabolize it out of there? So or? it will. It'll break down over time. Okay. Um, so um, it depends on, you know, there's different properties or I guess densities of different fillers too. So some of them, you know, if you have more of a deficit, you'll go with some of the ones that have like a thicker density. And then there's ones that are very, very thin for some of the like superficial smokers lines and oh, stuff yeah. like mm. that. Um, okay. so it just kind of depends on, you know, what you want taken care of and, and, and stuff what like are, that. I mean, is there any way to know if you're going to have an adverse reaction to it beforehand? Uh, I feel like back in the day when people would talk about it, they'd be like, Oh, you know, my face was like just messed up from getting it done. You'd hear stories or whatever, but you don't seem to hear that quite as much anymore. I haven't seen it much. I know that we're kind of the office I work at. 
we're kind of more strict on like who can get it. Oh, and okay. if you've had like a history of like a significant allergy to anything in the past, we won't do it. Okay. Um, just in case, you know, yeah. if you have some sort of um, reaction to it, but mostly it's just going to be swelling and stuff like that. Um, there is obviously potential for like a vessel occlusion that would be a bad, you know, thing to happen, but then we um, can dissolve the filler and oh, okay. um, hopefully, you know, get that improved, but sometimes it could become something surgical or like cause tissue damage and stuff too. So what does it do? Is it like create a pocket and then that no, no other fluids or bodily fluids or blood or anything can help disperse it? Is that what? Potentially. Um, it could be something like that that can cause like an infection or if we actually hit the vessel and inject into like a blood vessel, mm. then that would cause, you know, the issues with that. Oh, really? Yeah. Where it would, you know, stop the blood supply to that area. I haven't seen that happen yet. Knock on wood. But I, was um, say, I hope you don't see that. Yeah, happen. Not either, but <laughs> it is a potential. Yeah. So technically, what is Botox then? Botox is a botulism toxin. Okay. So um, like that biowarfare stuff, you know, yeah. but we use smaller doses. So it basically will, um, I mean, it basically paralyzes the muscle when it's injected into there. Okay. And you can do it in such fine, small amounts. Like you said, you work on your crow's feet. You can just like kind of dot the line and it just kind of disrupts the the telekinetic pattern in there and it won't let you use those muscles basically yeah essentially okay interesting all interesting stuff so you do i think you were telling me you do like uh uv light therapy or something too. oh we don't do uv light um i do laser hair removal okay um bbl which is a brown band light that can help like um take care of dark um spots and like vessels make the skin you know more even um, and then we have all therapy, which, um, like kind of stimulates the collagen, okay. um, from the deeper la- layers to kind of give you that structure and framework. I'll say that's just too much information for me not to ask. What is that stuff? How does that stuff work? So how does the all therapy work? I'll start there. So all therapy, um, is going, it's an ultrasound machine that's going to deposit the energy, um, into the structural framework. So that collagen level. Um, so basically it like heats it up to the point where your body, um, is forced to kind of restructure, like rebuild itself. Um, once we get into, I think our even twenties, but I know like in our thirties, we start losing collagen every year and that's why we start, you know, sagging and, and not having the structure that we have. Okay. So it, it's not a facelift obviously. So it's going to be more, um, subtle results, but I mean, you can see, you know, notice like better texture of your skin and then usually like gives you yeah a little bit just you know more of that structure in there to support it um obviously if you have very droopy skin and stuff like that you probably won't notice a whole lot not gonna bring it back from the dead more or less right (laughs) right but like you know over the next few years then you might notice that you age a little bit easier because you have some support okay maybe a little more of a preventative I I would think it's kind of more preventative. Like some people will see, you know, more um, defined jawline and things like that with it. Um, It just depends on, you know, how how many treatments you do. Usually those are spaced like every year. Um, But it it just kind of depends on those, you know, results. Everybody's different. 
but those are more subtle. So does that only apply to skin topical layers or can you do the collagen injections into like uh, tendons and go Um, fibrous that way? I know that like for um, like knees and stuff, they have, um, it's like a gel injection. I don't know that they actually inject collagen anywhere. I know that there's um, like uh, platelet-rich plasma and stuff where they'll spin your um, your blood cells yeah. and re-inject it. Yeah. Um, or like the sugar water stuff to help kind of stimulate that collagen okay. um, for you. Or um, like, like people with ligament injuries and stuff like that, they can do different things stuff to like help that. repair. Itself. I've been wondering because my Achilles on both heels have just been on fire. In the last three weeks, I've kind of started jogging again. I've gotten past this neck thing that's been going on. Um, And they've just been playing hell with me. And I just wondered if there was an injection you could do that would, like, stimulate any growth or repair. I mean, it feels like at any moment the the tendon is just going to rip off the heel, you know. And it doesn't. And, you know, goes away. And then I'm able to do what I want to do again. But I just wondered with these things if it was such a thing that. Um, from the cosmetic world, no, but I'm sure from like the PRP, like physical medicine rehab guys, I know that are, um, people, they do like the regenerative medicine, um, that they might be able to do something like that. Interesting. And what was the other, uh, BBL? BBL. What was, what is so that? So that basically, um, it's, it's called broadband light and it, um, basically, um, will help to, um. So if you have a lot of age spots or a lot of like, um, like they're called cherry angiomas. So people like that have those little red spots yeah, or like superficial vessels, it kind of helps to even all of that out. It brings all the, um, the deep pigment out to the surface and then, um, basically helps to improve your complexion. And then it also, I think helps with, um, restructuring actually the DNA of your face. So it's supposed to like help with anti-aging as well. I say, what about those people that get the uh, the face peel, the acid, and what? How is that different from this? I feel like this would be more stimulating to the body, whereas the face peel is more of a let's Topical. thrash the whole place and then just start over. <laughs> start over. Yeah. Um, so that's I think a good question. We don't do a lot of the peels and things like that, um, but it is you know the peels and stuff resurface you know the layers of your skin, the superficial superficial layers i don't know how deep you know those go with like pigment changes and stuff but i would think that it would help to some degree to bring it all out um and probably to some degree help with some of the collagen re-stimulation and stuff i just don't know specifically how well sounds like the light works. therapy might be more or less invasive than a chemical peel because those i mean i've I used to work in the beauty industry and sales and would sell to salons and spas and things. And, you know, I'd see their, their patients come out with after a chemical peel and they just look like, Oh my God. And you know, you have to wait a few days until you're actually normal looking again. Right. I've gone in to like talk about it before, like think about getting one and they were like, Oh, you can't work out for, I don't even remember how long it was, but I thought that that was kind of crazy. Um, but so for this, there's usually not really a lot of downtime with it. Yeah. Um, you can get like some little scabbing and stuff like that. Maybe a little bit of mild swelling and redness, but overall it shouldn't really last too long. It shouldn't really disrupt your skin barrier. Mm. So is this, 
Oh, how many like treatments of that would you need to? I mean, is it something you get once a month or a couple times a year? Um, for BBL, that's usually a cor- uh, first we'll do like a corrective treatment to you know either target like the redness in your skin or the pigment. Um, so that is usually anywhere from three to five treatments spaced like a month apart. Oh, okay. And then they say like with every season. Oh, okay. To um, you know redo another treatment and then obviously make sure you're doing really good skincare and avoiding the sun and stuff because yeah. that'll age you and bring those pigment spots back out. Sure. So say, is this some sort of, is it like a, a gun that's got like the flashing pulsing lights on the end of it? Basically, yep. It's like okay. this little gun um, that has, it's like almost like a crystal uh, and then it has bright flashes of light that you pulse into the skin. Interesting. Okay. I've seen those, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. No, I mean, after I get my Botox done, then I'd like to get laser hair removal. That sounds amazing. It's <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I worked like, there. Oh. I think like eight years or so, and yeah, like not having to shave your legs and stuff like that is just great. I mean, so you get. I know you know you do it over a series of treatments, but then once you've got it, are you? Is it like ever coming back, or do you have to get residual treatments? Um, so the darker the hair, the better for you. Um, if your hair is lighter, um, or too fine or, you know, gray, red, um, white, blonde, the pigment isn't going to be, um, affected. So the, it's not going to absorb the energy of the laser to kill the follicle. Um, so depending upon, you know, the texture and the color of the hair is going to kind of determine if you're going to get any results or not. Okay. I had very coarse, dark, you know, hair. So for me, you know... I'll get a hair here and there on my legs, but it'll be a long time. And then I realize, oh, I have a hair, oh, you wow. know, besides like that really fine, like baby vellus hair that yeah. you'll get, you know, um, otherwise like the more hormonal dependent areas, um, like armpits and, you know, yeah. genital area and stuff like that. Those hairs seem like they can get re-stimulated, you know, especially okay. if your hormones are still active, yeah. you know, when you're younger and stuff like that. Um, so those, you know would um, play a part in like having like lifetime treatments and stuff like okay. that where you can, you know, get a touch up treatment if you need to, if things, you know, I just can't imagine not having to shave my legs. Like that would be amazing. Yep. <laughs> so always ready to go. Yeah. I say, so that process isn't finite. It's one of those deals where it's, it might come back or it might not. So it really depends on, like I said, the color and texture of the hair to begin with. So if you have lighter hair, then, you know, um, so blonde, you know, it's not going to work. If you have kind of more of like a like a sandy brown, you might get partial reduction and then some of it more fine and thin, um, but you won't get, you know, total reduction. Whereas for me, like I said, I'll find like one hair every couple of months. So it's just, well, it's obvious to the, to the name of it. I'm not trying to be stupid about it, but is it zap the hair completely dead so that there's nothing coming out of that follicle anymore? Or does it just kind of change the pigment of it and you still grow? So essentially mm-hmm. the um, the follicle should absorb the energy of the laser um, and it has to be in the right cycle of growth and then it can essentially kill the follicle. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know my yeah, hairs grow in cycles. I don't know about it either. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot. You know, there's hair growth cycles, and then obviously hormones. I feel like can also kind of re-stimulate different follicles too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know people with that or PCOS and stuff. People have you know a little bit more trouble like facial areas and stuff. You know, for women, it's going to be a lot harder. 
um, to control. Interesting. Figures everything for men is easier. Well, no. <laughs> let's let's take a step back here. Okay. What are we talking square footage here? Because I have hair just about everywhere on my body and have since uh, maybe sixth grade, seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> I could just imagine that costing me somewhere in the vicinity of $10,000 or something crazy like that because I've got just... Oh, probably more with the amount of hair you have. Yeah. I mean, good It doesn't go by amount of hair. It goes no. by the areas. <laughs> and compared to when I started, like the prices, they used to be, I think, like seven or eight grand just to do your legs. Really? And now they have different packages where it's a lot more... Um, are a lot less than it used to be. Oh, mm. really? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like covered into the industry of, uh, oh, what's the LASIK surgery for your eyes? Used and to it, be so expensive. It used to be just ridiculous for per eyeball, like two grand, three grand, and now it's, they can go somewhere and get it done at Walmart or something like that for 500 <laughs> bucks an eyeball. But do you want to? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> get a disgruntled Walmart employee that <laughs> just gonna shove this laser wherever I want. So There's different types of lasers too. So like, like an IPL laser is, I think, more going to stunt the growth of the follicle. I haven't heard like as great of results like long term yeah. as the lasers that um, we use. Like different, it's called like an Alexandrite laser or Candela laser. So there's a couple areas around town that use those ones. Okay. Well, say so looking at our punums, what do you see that we could use some work on? <laughs> <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, I think you guys look good for your. I don't know how old you we are know, but for your age. Know, for your age, know we look I really am good. fifty-four. So you are. I look, <laughs> oh, yeah. no! I was gonna say, wow. I don't I look you good? Look great. Yes. <laughs> Mentally, she's fifty-four. But <laughs> no, I'm forty. Okay. Yeah. No, I think. I mean, other yeah. than your one little line, your yeah. skin is actually in really good shape. Thank you. I think yeah. so. I absolutely hate this, though. Like, that would be my a number one thing I would love to change. I mean, she sits around and crinkles her brow about her crinkled brow. She just gets mad at it, and that's what face she makes. What the fuck? Because I, what the fuck? You know, (laughs) and makes that face. They also sell these things that I found on, I think I found them off of TikTok, but they're called frownies. (laughs) Do those work? (laughs) So I bought them, and and I felt like it kind of reduces you from using that movement, so it kind of like trains you to like try to not use it. Because I have seen those too on maybe Instagram, and I was like, might be worth a shot they were twenty dollars yeah so. and you can cut them up and like put them how you want okay and i used them i didn't use them i buy tons of stuff and then i just stop using it yeah so um <laughs> <laughs> the ones i felt like it maybe it helped a little bit though okay all right you guys gotta bring me up to speed what the hell is a frowny <laughs> it's basically you think about it as like this little temporary tattoo but it's like almost like a piece of very thin cardboard and it's sticky and you get it wet and you stick it like where you would have facial movement. Yeah. And then typically I think they say to sleep in them. But, you know, if you're home during the day and you do this during the day, <laughs> you would just put it on. It would kind of help train yourself or um, make you so they can't really make that movement. Really? So that over time you kind of retrain yourself to not do that. Oh, see, I didn't even know that's what it was. I thought that's it was what like, I would a, think it you know, like those under eye patches that have whatever in them. I was kind of thinking it was like oh, that. Oh, yeah, there's nothing in them. Oh. No, it's just a, like a piece of hard paper that you basically And whoever created them on you. is a millionaire now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like something you can create yourself. I can get some glue out of the garage, <laughs> yeah. cut up a piece of cardboard, just and just slap <laughs> it to your forehead. Yeah. 
And then when you take it off, it's kind of like you get a very superficial layer of like your skin. Oh, so okay. it's like a little light exfoliation. <laughs> just for that small little two little dots yeah, on your forehead. Just don't take off your eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> wow, this is... Uh, See, you learn this, something new every day. This is enlightening. I, this, I told you we we're going to get excited about, you know, this particular topic versus talking about the spine, you know, but... Um, but, I mean, like Botox, laser hair remover, all of that. It's not covered by insurance, is it? Yeah. No, it's not. See? So it's it can be costly, especially <laughs> like I've never wanted to pay for Botox, you know. Yeah. And then I found out I don't get the, get it for free anymore. Oh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, my husband was like, you know, if you really want to, you can you can buy it. So that's why I tried going. You know, I went eight months without it. And yeah. I was like, it's not too bad, but I still like yeah. it with it or having it done. So what, so, I mean... Generally, I know it's probably different everywhere, but like for this line, what would it cost to how many units would you need? Typically, um, we're not just going to treat right here. We're going to treat these other muscles out here. So um, it's usually the whole glabella is usually going to be around 20 units. Okay. So depending upon where you go, it can range from like 8 to $15 a unit. Oh, okay. So most people range around like 10 Okay. So like 200 bucks. And then it lasts like worth every it three for my to happiness, four. wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've gotten my sister-in-law addicted. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Just it's... kidding. She never comes to see me. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is all natural. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so it takes about a year or eight months or somewhere in that vicinity for that effect to wear off. Um, no. no. Filler can last, um, depending upon the filler, six months. To 12 months, there's a couple of them that are, um, I think the mid-face can last up to 18 months if you do full oh, wow. correction. Botox um, is only going to be three to four months. Hmm. And then if you're a really fast metabolizer, it might even be like two to three. That's what I was going to ask you. Does it vary between person to person? It's got like a fast metabolism. It's just like trying to get that stuff out of there. Or... It seems, yeah, like some men I've noticed too, like it seems like they um, their movement comes back quicker. Mm-hmm. Um like it wasn't lasting as long with me before but I didn't always do full correction with mm-hmm. it you know with my units so outside of like beauty applications is there anybody let's say somebody had a stroke I know that kills all the or you know deadens all the muscles and their their muscles droop down is there any way to like bring those back up or do the opposite effect with something like a Botox or a filler or um, well, for like spasticity and stuff, um, they would probably be able to do that um, and like the muscles and stuff like that. But um, I feel like most of that, would, like stroke and stuff like that, would probably be more surgical type things if they can even, you know, depending upon the like nerve damage and stuff, you know, if they can even fix that. Okay. Just a random off the wall question I thought of as I'm sitting here. <laughs> But no, I don't see me getting any of that. I'm not saying that I'm beautiful or anything, but I'm just going to age and let the lines lay where they lay. The, the one thing I'd like to know is, and I've seen another guy get this procedure done, is that you get a lot of extra eyelid yep. droopy drapes up here. <laughs> is, is there something that tightens that up, or is that something that's surgical that has to be nipped and cut out of there? I think he had his nipped and cut out or lasered out of there or something. So you can do a blepharoplasty where they would remove the the skin in there. 
um, if you were, you know, depending upon the amount of like coating and stuff like that that you would have. If it's more subtle and it's not, you know, disrupting your vision and things like that, then sometimes, you know, like a facelift or um, the um, all therapy can give you a very subtle brow lift in there. Um, but you're still like for me, I have kind of hooded eyes and there's nothing really that I think would help that unless I were to cut it out and cut it and remove it. It's not to that point where I feel like I need that. No, yeah. no, I don't. I don't either. I just, I was just thinking this morning as I'm looking, you know, was, Oh God. Yeah. I've got kind of like a flap growing there. <laughs> it's not really impinging anything or impeding my movement or eyeball or anything crazy like that. But just a thought. Yeah, we don't need to get you started in Botox. Why, well, because I'm an addictive personality or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, we just saved the money for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's things you can sell and we can make money somehow. <laughs> Our cat that keeps walking across, maybe we could sell him. He's got to stay. The kids love him. <laughs> but back to the original idea of trying to get this to go on my timeline instead of you guys ranting on about <laughs> hey, your it stuff. Worked. <laughs> um, so you've dealt with spines yes, for quite a number of years. Um, I've been in spine care now almost two years. Okay. Yep. All right. So I can't really say what's your strangest case you've ever come across, but um, what's the, the A number one worst thing that anyone can do for their spine? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like a lot of it is just going to be over the years, like wear and tear or poor posture, people that, you know, aren't taking care of themselves. So, um, you know, if you're overweight and you don't work out, you're probably going to have a lot more, you know, back pain, muscle pain and stuff like that. Um, people that, you know, repetitively lift and bend and stuff like that and don't take care of their back or support their core and muscles and stuff too. Mm-hmm. You know, you're more at risk of like injuring your back or having you know, back pain from doing different, you know, just cleaning the house. Yeah, so that's just so unfair, which ties into one of my other questions that, you know, we've come so far with the hips and the knees and just about every other joint in the body, but yet when it comes to the back, it's just like a a big X. Like someone says, hey, you need to get back surgery. I'm like, I'll ride this out, you know, because I don't think you guys have come along so far as to uh, catch up to this this other joint. Yeah, I mean, most people are going to want spine surgery as their last resort. Right. You know, unless you, you know, if obviously if you have like a neurological deficit and stuff like that where, you know, an acute herniated disc and you can't move your leg and stuff like that, then it's going to be like, all right, go in, get that taken care of. And then, you know, that would be more like, okay, yes. But if you, you know, somebody with more of a degenerative spinal stenosis and stuff, you know, trying therapy and um, um, like pain management, like injections and stuff like that first um, would be, you know, typically what we recommend in the absence of like weakness or instability in the spine or, you know, significant radicular pains and stuff. Right. So my mom just went last year because she had the de- degenerative disc disease and she tried, every, you know, every avenue before getting surgery she really did not want to get surgery and she finally got it and it she had because of her spine she had pain down her leg and it diminished to that but she still has the back pain that she always has so to her she's like well it didn't work I'm like well at least you got you know 
your leg pain is gone so you can walk better. Right. So there's that. But yeah, I don't, there's probably not 100% cure for No, because like it's going to be multiple factors, you know, it, arthritis, you know, and degenerative disc, that's going to be, you know, a degenerative process. Right. When they do surgery, they're going to try to free up that nerve root or that disc um, that's herniated or something like that, or stabilize it if there's, you know, uh, abnormal movement in there. Um, whereas, you know, I tell patients as to, you know, even if they go in there and, you know, take care of this, so you don't have that leg pain, Yeah, you're still probably going to have that, you know, pain in your back if you have arthritis or, you know, I know even just for example, my husband, we've been redoing our basement and um, I did the floors like last week and like put in plank flooring. Yeah. And I noticed like just bending over from not working out in a while, I was like, oh my gosh, like I could barely stand up straight and yeah. like my back mm. really hurt. It was fine in the next morning. Right. But he did it this um, weekend. Um, he put in like the rubber matting floors for like the gym part and he, I saw him, he works nights, so I got home from work last night, and he could barely <laughs> oh, really? walk. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, what are you, this is insane. Yeah. Like, he couldn't even bend over to pick up, like, his clothes off the floor, like, oh, couldn't geez. get his socks on. I was like, you can't go to work like this. Like, no. let me help you do some stretches and stuff. <laughs> so, like, I get him on the floor and, like, help, you know, get him some stretches in there um, and show him, like, what to do. And then he gets up, and he's like, this might have helped and then like you see him just bending over to grab something he's like oh yeah this yep he's like it's definitely (laughs) helped so even just something as simple as that um i think can help especially when you know there's not like a true injury that you know he had that he was just so tense and then when you're in pain you kind of get more tense and then i think that it's just kind of a spiral effect for some people that oh sure you know they just continue to get tense and their muscles you know get all very tense. I was going to say, I was going to ask you what, how many times do people come in and it's more of a phantom spine issue and more of a tense muscle or an inflamed muscle that's pressing against a nerve or pressing something and twisting it out of whack? So, um, most of the time, I guess we're going to work you up, you know, cause we got to make sure there's no pathology in the spine itself, but I'll get a lot of people, especially if they're younger and stuff and they don't have, you know, significant like ridiculous pains that, you know, it's pretty much, um, I'm thinking ahead of time, there's probably not going to be anything showing, you know, in their MRI and nothing surgical at least. Um, some people get fixated on like, oh, my discs are degenerated. You know, that means I'm, you know, this is why I have so much pain, but that I've seen people with terrible degeneration and the biggest curve in their spine and they're they're not in pain all the time. They just Uh now developed pain Mm. and it's because, you know, maybe something's compressing or whatever, or they have a new compression fracture or something, but it's just You know, everybody varies so differently, but if we see a younger patient, you know, especially if they're having like a lot of stiffness and stuff Mm -hmm. that I notice, like, especially in the morning, I'm like, you're, you're 25 years old. You should, you you shouldn't be in this much pain or, you know, having this much debilitation at your age. So like, that's where maybe like inflammatory arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis or like lupus or those connective tissue things might come into play to screen for those things. Um, Typically, thoracic spine, unless there's, like, a compressive, like, lesion or significant narrowing that's causing, like, a myelopathic issue, um, like, cord compression and stuff. And a lot of times, you know, 
they're not really going to do a whole lot of surgeries on there unless, you know, you absolutely have to for sure for those areas. So, so you probably don't get a whole lot of injuries in the thoracic spine. Not, no. It seems to be more stable and locked in place. Is that just because of the shoulder musculature and the, everything around it versus the top end and the bottom end of the cervical and the I think that's actually lumbar. a good way to look at it. Yeah. Because everything, you know, is kind of holding it in and more protective of it and stuff, whereas yeah. you have the more motion of the lower portions. I was going to ask you a question in there, and I forgot what it was. Outside of the uh, the phantom pains, I'll think of it here in a second. Um, have you noticed in your two-year career with this, have you noticed like an influx or more prominent in younger people coming in with like a collision industry or collision injury, like with their sports and things like that, is there more of that or less of that or? Um, I've only had a couple athletes <clears throat> that I've seen um, that have been, you know, actually younger, um, like high school to college level. Um, typically, they're going to be like a, you know, um, like an acute not a compression fracture, but like a spondylolisthesis or like a PARS fracture where they fracture part of like the transverse oh. process or something like that um, that can happen like, you know, with um, different injuries that way. Um, but even those aren't always going to be surgical. Like a lot of times we'll kind of like rest them, yeah. put them through like a um, therapy and um, graduated like return to to play type thing. Um, but I've only seen a couple of those. A lot of patients have been, you know, middle to late, you know, older ages. Um, but I feel like lately I've seen kind of more, kind of younger. Yeah. Like in the last, like even just a month or two, I've seen like some more younger patients. Does that have anything to do with, uh. Oh, tech neck. <laughs> yeah, tech neck. Is that what you call it? Uh, yeah, I call Staring it tech Staring at your cell phones. So I think that, you know, we do see a lot more of that and like the straightening of the cervical spine and stuff with people always looking down and, you know, poor posture and stuff and our, you know, even the shoulders flex and stuff. And I think a lot of that, you know, contributes to a lot of that upper back and upper trap type pain mm -hmm. that we get. Um, and, you know, even sometimes, you know, those muscles can get so tight that they'll even compress and like cause numbness mm -hmm. and stuff. So we have to make sure that, you know, it's not a compressive, um, ner you know, nerve compressed in the cervical spine and that, you know, rule that kind of out as the um, source. So have you seen an influx of that with people in I like that tech neck. I like that. So <laughs> that's pretty good. <clears throat> um, I feel like after the initial like um, uh, COVID, like when we were all off, like when everything yeah. shut right. down for so long, yeah. people were inactive for so long, my, myself included. I laid in bed for so long that my arm started going numb and like, oh really? Yeah, like, oh, wow. and I was just like, oh, okay, this is. I haven't had this happen in a while, <laughs> and you know, I obviously the more I worked out and stretched and stuff, it went away, but. I mean, that inactivity and, you mm. know, you're sitting in bed, like hunched over yeah. looking at your phone and poor posture and alignment and everything. Like, I think it really can contribute to. So what, you know, speaking of bed, do you think having a good mattress and a pillow is important? Or does it really not 
I personally think so. Yeah. Um, I know, like, if I go on vacation and I'm not used to the mattress, I'll wake up and I'll have back pain. Yeah. Or if I sleep too long, sometimes, you know, I'll have back pain. Um, I actually, I've had, you know, neck pain on and off for actually years. Um, and I finally found this pillow. It's called a Coops pillow. I got it on um, Amazon. Take Coops notes. Pillow. Take yep, notes. C- I think it's C-O-O-P-S. And um, it's kind of like the My Pillow where they have the... It's like a memory foam, all like little pieces of yeah. it. Yeah. But for this one, you can take out as much as you want or like put in, in. more. So oh. if you're a side sleeper, you can make it a little bit bigger. If you're a back mm. sleeper, you can keep it, you know, more flat. Oh. And it kind of just shapes like to your head. And it doesn't like for me, I don't, you know, I had to take a lot out, but it doesn't have me in a, you know, he- like, so my head's not yeah. forward flexed. Um, and for, I had no like neck pain for really months yeah because we are both on the hunt for new pillows it's where i wake up every day and just didn't say you're you're all over the place as far as your sleeping style i know that's the hard part i'm a side sleeper a stomach sleeper not really back sleeper but i mean i've got like six pillows in rotation because i'm like oh this one sucks i gotta use a different one oh no that one sucks too and you know i would try it find a good one i got i have um, the my pillow it's old though so i feel like it's, you know, I'm just due for a new one, but yeah, I will definitely look that one I up. I tried the my pillow first, and it just it was too big for me. Yeah. Um, and then I got this one, and my husband actually stole it from me. <laughs> so, so I bought myself a new one, and I really do. I like it because you can yeah. mold it to how you know if I want to sleep That's on my cool. side, I just bunch it up. If I sleep on my stomach, it just it works. However, cool. I kind of move it around. I will look that up. Let's say give that a look. Is it? Terribly expensive because it, it fluctuates so bad. It's like 60 so or bad. $70. All right, that's not yeah. awful. She was trying to get me into this program of, or this whole idea of uh, these pillows that she found that looked like the bat wing. I mean, they were just like, they had places to slide your arms up underneath and oh. contour it this way. And if you're a uh, belly sleeper, and it looked cool. They looked really alien esque <laughs> compared <laughs> I to think regular. I've seen some of those before. Yeah. But we went to a mattress store because we're kind of in need of a new mattress, too. And he found, like, the pillow of his dreams. And then they were like, yeah, that's $120. And he's like, <laughs> like, well, it's, you sleep on it, like, eight hours a night or try to. I mean, you spend a lot of time with it. That's right. not really that bad. And if you think about but, how many pillows you probably buy trying to find the right one, yes. too. Right. As long as, like, maybe you can return it. Yeah. If it doesn't work <laughs> out for you. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those deals where you laid on it, and it's like, oh, my God, this is awesome. So it's It like, was in the peak of your pain, and you could actually yeah. lay with no pain. Yeah. That was, that was a nightmare. But, <laughs> um, dang it, that question Questions. pops in there, and then we get to talking about oh, no. other things, and <laughs> it take just a note. pops on like out this. of there. <laughs> but, no, a coop pillow? Coops, yeah. Coops I think pillow. C-O-O-P-S. All right, well, we're going to And it comes f- with extra fill, too, so... I had to take like two bags out. So, oh, wow. so how big is it? If you got to fill it, does it does it stay in like quadrants or does no? It so um, it's I just got the regular size one, but um, you can like shake it and it'll refluff, or you put it in the dryer and it refluffs. Okay. Um, or if you want it, you know, more firm, you just add more memory foam filling into it. Or if it's too much, you just pull it out. Okay. Let's say we're gonna have Mike Lindell from My Pilla in here <laughs> next week, so we can kind of give him the business on. Oh, shut up. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you know him? <laughs> Just from oh TV, and he has such a trusting face with that giant 
medallion uh, cross hanging from his neck. It really makes me want to buy a pillow from him. <laughs> um, so yeah, you told me that you yourself had a, a neck injury. Uh, well, when I was like, well, when I was younger, I um, was in a car accident. Mm. So I remember going to the chiropractor even in second grade because I would get headaches every day. Um, and then I don't think I ever had like a true injury that I could say like, oh, this was it. Mm. But I definitely know like my neck, um, instead of, you know, have the natural curve, it's actually kind of almost like an S curve. Really? And I think a lot of that is, you know, I probably have partially <coughs> that tech neck and stuff like that. Um, but you know, for me, the best thing, you know, I have to, I stretch every morning and then, um, you know, when I was doing better about working out, strengthening my upper back muscles, that usually helped a lot better too. As I say, I think the importance is the, what particular upper upper back muscles you're talking about. Um, people can do lat pull downs until they're blue in the face, but if they're not, you know, doing the, you know, the try to push that hand backwards by holding the rotation and. Yeah, you know, trying to get all the small muscles engaged right behind the shoulder area, I think is the the key. Um, when I had this neck thing going on, I went back to that when I could finally move it around without it hurting, and everything posterior shoulder was just so weak that it, everything cramped up like instantaneously. Oh, I bet. So, yeah, I think know. I started at like three pound dumbbells, and like I couldn't even do bands oh, for really? a while. Like I had to like just have to rework it out from yeah. like going from working out to that um it was a big difference and when I first went through physical therapy I actually ended up I had COVID for my first time and my physical therapist he was like well if you think about it you're just getting over COVID like they don't know how this is affecting athletes and everything else he's like it's probably going to take some time to kind of get back to where you were right. you know in the gym and stuff and it did it took me a while okay to get back there well, one of the questions I was going to ask before I forget it again, and maybe you can tell me this and maybe you're not allowed to talk about it. Um, why do, why is the process in such a way, for instance, my case, I got diagnosed from the doctor and they said, okay, let's give you some steroids. Let's just see what that is. Didn't give me an x-ray. Let's just see if that takes care of it. Maybe it's muscular. Okay, let's go through that. Didn't work. Still up, not sleeping, blah, blah, blah. Then the next step was to go to physical therapy, which is outrageously expensive. Still no x-ray, still no MRI to see what exactly the issue was, but this is the process. And I go into physical therapy, and they are cranking on my neck to push my chin to the posterior. And I'm just... I've never seen you in so much pain. Just sweating because it hurts so bad. And I can tolerate a decent amount of pain, I think, but that was the process. And then I finally came to you after I'd gone to my chiropractor, who was a a brilliant guy. And he says, quit screwing around. Go see these people at, at the spine care specific. They'll know exactly what to do. And it wasn't until I came to see you guys that you could finally recommend me an MRI. But I had to have six weeks of... Um, physical therapy underneath my belt just by average protocol in order to get that MRI. And to me, that's just so bass-ackwards and asinine that they were in cranking and pulling on my neck without even having looked to the inside of the body to see which direction we need to push and pull to try to get things back the way it was. Yeah, I think so insurance dictates, you know, a lot of, you know, 
when we can get an MRI approved. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't have significant weakness or a pathological reflex, if you're not having um, cauda symptoms, so numbness and tingling in your genital or rectal region, um, difficulty, you know, voiding or leaking mm-hmm. um, of your bowel or bladder and or like myelopathy. So cord compression would be weakness, you know, significant weakness, balance issues, the bowel or bladder, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, uh, especially like on exam and stuff, if you if you don't fit those, you know, criteria and stuff, sometimes we can't get the MRI approved until you've gone through, you know, a six-week trial of physical therapy or at least start it. And if it's not getting better or starts getting worse, then at least we have that documentation to say, yeah. hey, we tried it. Um, a lot of times, you know, with therapy and stuff, I think that some of their um, evaluation tools – you know, help to differentiate, you know, is it probably more of, you know, a musculoskeletal thing, a herniated disc, and and I think that some of the things like traction and stuff that they do, you know, generally will help kind of alleviate, you know, those things. Generally, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, you know, before you come to, you know, a spine specialist, I don't know, you know, if your, you know, primary care, whoever you are seeing, you know, do they do those special tests that we do just to make mm-hmm. sure that, you know, you don't have any of those criteria that's going to say, okay, we need to get you this done, you know, sooner um, than later. Um, so that was the brilliant thing about coming to you guys. It's almost like you, I've always said you just want to skip everything and go to a specialist. When I had a meniscus tear in my knee, I skipped going to the doctor and went straight to the, the specialist I knew. And he had treated athletes from the University of Toledo for 20 years. So he's probably seen and done everything. And he did his tests with it. And he says, all right, let's get you an MRI. And got one. And it was like a torn torn up cotton ball in there. And, you know, surgery repaired or whatever. But had I gone through the, the process, you know, see my doctor. Let's try this. Go to therapy first and try all these other things. I'm not saying that it's terrible. And I don't, by any means, I don't blame you. <laughs> for any of this process. I just think it's such a crazy process and I just wondered if you had any other insight to it or No, I mean usually I would say, you know, listen to your body. If you know something's wrong or a lot of times we'll get the chiropractor says, No, I'm not touching you. You know, you yeah. need to go get this evaluated or even we have some of our physical therapists that'll say, Go see Megan. Like mm-hmm. it's not helping. You should be getting better. You're getting worse to where we're like, Okay, we need to, you know, get um advanced imaging done um but you know i guess once you get to me if we can get the imaging we will but if not you know it's kind of getting through that process because even you know let's say you required injections um as the next step sometimes insurance still won't do those if you haven't tried therapy or home exercises or something like that right first um and some insurances are really good some are real sticklers Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we figured that it was just insurance, insurance protocol. Yeah. It's annoying, but not a whole lot you can do about it either. Oh. Yeah. Sometimes it's very annoying. <laughs> so I guess I've always viewed, uh, oh, what's the name of the injection you get? The steroid you get uh, into joints and things like that just to kind of alleviate the pain. Cortisol. Oh, yeah. I've always viewed cortisol as like the devil. It's cortisol. Cortisol. Cortisone. 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 Um, Why the devil? uh, Just because it's, I've always viewed it as a, watch out, he's going to snag your water. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I've always used it as a, I viewed it as a bandaid. I always felt like the people, cause I've worked with so many older people and even people that have abused the hell out of their joints at a younger age that when they go to see the doctor and the doctor says, oh, let's just shoot you up, get you back out there. And they do, they work. Sometimes they go from six months to not needing one to like five days, like it wears off that fast. Um, so in your opinion, is it like one of the greatest tools out there or is it just, like I said, like a bandaid? Um, I think that there's different, um, times and uses for it, obviously. Like, so somebody with like an acute, like herniated disc, but it's not really that, you know, surgical. Um, I find that they will do better, you know, with that, like it'll help kind of, um, treat the pain and inflammation a little bit so that they can get back to their normal routine. Um, and then, you know, those are the people that don't come in, you know, they have one and they feel great or they have one or two and they feel pretty good. Maybe they don't need them regularly, Mm. but you know, when we're having to do them more frequently, you know, because they aren't lasting that long, um, obviously, you know, you run into other different issues, um, with chronic steroid use and stuff like that where you don't necessarily want to have to rely on them. You know, it's good as a tool, you know, to kind of reset that inflammatory cycle and, you know, give you some pain relief here and there. But, you know, my personal perspective would be I wouldn't want to have to do them, you know, every three to six months if I didn't have to. Um, But some people, you know, if they're not a surgical candidate, you know, sometimes that's all we have um, if they can't, you know, work it out on their own with, like, exercises and stuff oh that makes sense i wasn't trying to totally kibosh the idea of getting cortisone shots but i just always seemed like people would get them oh i'm going to the doc tomorrow to get my cortisone shot and say okay well how long is that going to last why don't you just replace your goddamn knee you know get it fixed yeah you know so some people don't want to get it fixed or you know sometimes i've had patients um in the past where they won't be able to do their knee surgery until they lose so much weight. So mm. they're kind of like, you know, bypassing time until that. Um, so there's, yeah. I think there's different, you know, reasons why people continue to do them over the time, you know, and, you know, usually it's going to help for at least a little bit, but yeah, um, like that goes back to that whole long-term stuff. You know, personally for me, I would try to avoid doing them long-term. What are the long-term effects of you're constantly getting um well it can have effects like on your immune system um chronic steroid injections can also decrease like your bone density and stuff so increased risk of osteoporosis so like fracture risk and stuff like that too over chronic use now is that i didn't i knew there were side effects to it but is that just near the injection site or is that something that's metabolized into the body and then you've got so there is going to be some systemic absorption you know, with an injection, Mm -hmm. um, less than, you know, the oral, you know, steroids and stuff. Those are going to have more obviously systemic stuff, but I mean, chronic use, you're still getting a little bit over time. Trickled into the body and into other parts. Just curious on that. Um, I know some people that are in need of knee surgeries and some of them are putting them off and some of them are ready to do it. Um, but yeah, they take the cortisone shot and it lasts about five days and then they're back into that pain. So like for five days, they feel like they're a young person again, you know, 
And it's like, well, why don't you just replace the part that needs to be replaced? But I want to talk about uh, the the reflex text uh, test that you had done on me, just because I found it so amusing. You know, usually you sit on a table and you tap, tap, tap on the patella tendon and it causes your leg to flip out. Mm -hmm. You had done a couple on my upper body and basically my upper body was dead. There was oh. no, there was no response whatsoever. And I just thought, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I didn't know why that was. How does that? So usually either like there's some sort of like nerve, you know, damage, mm-hmm. um, if there's going to be like no response to it or people with like neuropathy, um, I've seen, you know, diminished reflexes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, a pathological reflex is usually going to be like a one-sided brisk. So let's say like one side is like, we would call it like a three plus or, or above. Um, and then the other side is either normal or reduced. Mm-hmm. So there's like an asymmetry there that you're like, okay, there's probably some sort of like lesion or like something going on neurologically that okay. is contributing to that. Um, Obviously, you know, anything that happens in the neck can affect the lower extremity. So that's why usually, you know, I'll check your lower extremity strength and mm. reflexes down there as well. Um, and then we have a couple different, like, it's called a Hoffman sign where we um, basically tap on your uh, middle finger and see if there's like a pincer response in here that can be a sign of a um, cervical issue or even brain issue. And then we do some balance testing too to see if that's affected. Okay. So you did one, and I think it was back here on the back of my elbow. Yeah, that tricep. That's where it didn't work. The okay. yeah. So and each um, one, it kind of um, refers to a different um, level of like the nerve mm-hmm. too. So like your brachioradialis would be like a C. Um, I believe it's C six, C five six, um, and then your bicep. Bicep is probably C five, C six. And then uh, back here, I believe C7. Mm. So it kind of correlates to the different like level where the nerve can be being okay. compressed and stuff. And yours was both sides? I think so. I remember you doing it on my right, but I didn't remember doing it on my left. But it was just so funny to me that you tapped and like, no response. tapped a couple <laughs> times more and just nothing. And I'd never had that feeling before. Usually there's always a the jolt. Twitch, yeah. So I just, I thought, oh, something else is broken or something else is pinched or, you know, not to my knowledge. I obviously didn't have any pain. I had the pain down the arm arm from that, whatever's going on up there. But yeah, to not get a response out of something that was going on back here really amused me. Yeah, that was, and that one could be related to the, the, um, the strengths in there too. I wonder like the compressive part of it or not. Mm. Um, but you don't have any other myelopathic symptoms and stuff. Yeah, same. No, it was all all good. But just found it very interesting. Um, it was just a weird, weird, I don't know if you'd call it an injury, but your whole pain altogether back there was just really weird. Yeah, because I couldn't locate it. You know, and that's why I thought it was weird that I went and got therapy and they were pushing posterior on, you know, the top part of my skull on my chin to push backwards and here if we looked at the MRI it was you know I, th- I believe it was around the lateral size looked like the disc had been starting to to bulge to the posterior part yeah I think that's what that one looked like but uh you know not that you've got to go over my chart or anything right yeah. now it's just you know I feel like you had like the ridiculous symptom but then that um did you have it into your 
clavicle? I can't remember. Mm. Like a cape distribution? I don't think so. I think it was mostly... Just up in the back there? Yeah, okay. posterior and remember. You know, trap, and then all of a sudden it torch and come around this way all the way down to my thumb. Yeah. So. And that's like, they call that like the trigger finger. So like your C6 goes right through there. And that um, most likely is a C6 radiculopathy. So have you ever heard any stories about people that have gotten horrible discs or something terrible in their neck or a car crash or something that compressed and crushed things and then for some miraculous reason they they came back and they were in full function of everything? Um, I, so I know a couple people um, just like growing up and stuff where um, I know one person like had a neck injury and basically they thought that they were paralyzed and stuff, but they really worked at it and stuff and got the inflammation down and was able to, you know, walk and fully function and stuff. Um, and then you have others, you know, where I've had, I know somebody who dove into a pool, mm-hmm. broke their neck. Um, now, I mean, they have some arm function that they've um, gradually gotten, but, you know, waist down, they don't really have anything. Um, so it's just crazy. I've had a couple friends that were in car accidents um, where one, I think they had like 12 levels fused in their oh, spine really? from their lower cervical to thoracic um, and miraculously, you know, no paralyzation or anything. Thank God. But wow. you know, you're really restricted in your movements and stuff sure. like that, but she's, you know, learned to deal with it and, you know, ex- they told her she'd never run again. She's, mm-hmm. you know, starting to do that oh, and wow. stuff. So, you know, she's doing really good. Um, but, some of that I wonder, you know, because you're younger, you're still, you know, able yeah, to do those growing. things. Yeah. Um, if that, you know, plays a role in, in some of those. But I don't know why, you know, they were spared as opposed to, you know, other people or, you know, what all the injuries, yeah. you know. I don't get to see everybody's scans, but sometimes mm. you're like, I wonder what theirs looked like sure. yeah. to cause this. Well, let's say, do you guys want to compare car crashes? How many accidents you've been in? Oh, God. I'm a terrible driver. <laughs> She's a walking miracle. I mean, you think her spine would just be all I mean, I have contorted. a lot of back pain and neck pain, but I do think exercising helps it a lot. Um, my worst was when I was, I was like 18 and got hit by a drunk driver head on. Um, my head, like the top of my head went through the windshield. So, I mean, there was a lot of stress on my back and neck and I did the whole physical therapy thing and it didn't help at all um but yeah i mean i've been in many many car accidents like i can't even count how many but it's it's amazing that i'm not worse off than i am because i feel like i should just be like hunched over when i get you know sometimes i can't get out of bed without being hunched over for a little while but um for the most part i'm pretty good i mean i've seen some people that were rear-ended only going like 10, 20 miles an hour and the amount of pain they have afterwards, like it's just kind of, you know, crazy. And some of it will be really long lasting and it's not always like something that we can just identify, you know, on the imaging itself and stuff. So I feel like maybe the musculoskeletal component that kind of goes into that. We also see sometimes, you know, like post-traumatic stress disorders and things like that or people with previous trauma and like, you know, depression and and things um, like that sometimes have like more of a pain response than others or have like more tendency into like chronic pain and stuff too. 
Um, so I think that that affects some people differently. Um, so there's a, it's not always just cut and dry. You know, I feel like there's a lot of different factors that go into why people have pain and inflammation in the body, um, can lead to pain. So, um, you know, different, even, you know, the gut health, you know, there's, I'm sure a role of that, you know, with that connection there where people, you know, have a lot more systemic inflammation and pain and stuff. Yeah, I don't think people credit that enough how important it is to have good gut health i feel like just even from you know a guest we had on here and then researching it more ourselves we've learned so much about it yeah i haven't fully re- researched it all yet but i i you know dabbled here and there and realized that there is that relationship and you know in school what you know i think i graduated like 10 years ago so i don't even think that was ever mentioned no. You know, these are all like new things that are kind of coming out and stuff. And, you know, now too, I wonder like with COVID, you know, because it's like that inflammatory reaction and, you know, are we going to see more autoimmune dysfunctions and, you know, um, inflammatory conditions and stuff like that down the road yeah. with all of that. Yes, I don't know whether the COVID virus itself or the vaccine has some sort of, will have some sort of side effects down the road it's it's a it's a tricky subject and maybe we won't get into it but <laughs> i'm kind yeah. of right there with you that i'm yeah. just like i don't know but i could see you know parts of it happen and stuff but yeah. it's hard to research that stuff too for some of it you know especially like the adverse reactions and stuff because Wasn't i think a lot of it was underreported or oh yeah oh, for sure you know. now do you base your belief on that on the side effects that have been happening to people as far as like what could happen down the road based on what we're seeing or what is officially being reported. I think that that's just like things that I've, I guess, seen and heard and and stuff and just my kind of knowledge about, mm-hmm. you know, some of that background stuff is, you know, I just wonder, you know, what we will start seeing are those long haul COVID patients, you know, that do seem to have like ebbs and flows with their pain and like different inflammatory type reactions to it and stuff um and the inflammatory damage you know the 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 spike protein and you know the virus can do you know in your tissues of like you know all your different organs and stuff yeah that the smooth muscle that encompasses them and fires away itself and yeah yeah Yeah, i wonder like bone marrow wise and stuff too like if we'll see any spike in bone cancers or anything I don't know, but yeah, just yeah. saying. I so wonder. Say, that's the funny what and interesting will thing. Five years down the road or ten. I feel like we're all guinea pigs to this uh, virus uh, therapeutic method that they've prescribed. But like I said, we won't drag you through the mud on that and all that. <laughs> but uh, I will use you for reference if you know of any doctors. We were talking about this before you came here today. That you know we'd like to get. A doctor that believes in one side or reasoning for getting the virus and then doctors on the other side or virus, (laughs) the vaccine on one side and then have the doctor on the other side that says, well, based on the research that I've seen or that we've both been provided, this is what I believe. So it'd be it'd be interesting if you knew of any doctors that would be willing to sit and have a non heated conversation, obviously just. 
I feel like most, uh, at least the ones that I've known and stuff, are still proponents for the vaccine. Because, you know, there are, it, it's going to usually at least, you know, help decrease the severity and stuff like that of your symptoms. And, you know, I ended up getting vaccinated last year just because I was getting married and I didn't want to get COVID right before it. It was awful. I felt like I had COVID, you know, for 36 hours. Mm. Um, it was like shortness of breath. Like I couldn't get to the fridge, exhausted. Really? My body like just ached to the core. Um, and then, you know, when I got COVID this, my second time around, I had a sore throat and uh, fatigue for three days, three or four days. And I was just done. No fever or anything. The first time I had it, I had, I got pneumonia. I was coughing up blood, like 103 fevers. Um my husband, he's had it twice now, non-vaccinated, but his second time around, he actually had a fever this time and, you know, had, um, he said he felt really crappy, you know, the first like three or four days, probably a little bit worse than the first time, but still he didn't have any, you know, long haul, you know, overall, like we're, you know, recovered and stuff. Um, so it wasn't from that aspect, but more so just I think that maybe if he were vaccinated, it might not have been as severe. But right. then again, I have friends that were vaccinated and they've had their boosters and they got it pretty bad. <laughs> so it's just so crazy how everybody yeah. responds just, so differently. Yeah. And that's really kind of where we are. That's why I would like, I mean, we have our viewpoints on it. And I would just like to sit down with two actual medical doctors that can give their insight. And maybe I can learn something or see the other side differently or, you know. Not oh, looking yeah. for a heated discussion. I'm not. I was gonna say, I think the key is just being up on your research, but there again, what research is being provided to you? You know, yeah, it all depends yeah. on what where it's coming from and who you're getting it from. But like I said, we don't want to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you got the COVID shot, um, so you could get married. Uh, well, mostly just because I was worried that I would get it right before, and I didn't want to have to cancel the wedding. I was going to say, was it for the wedding or was it for the honeymoon? You guys were going somewhere? Oh, no. um, I didn't have to be vaccinated to go anywhere. It was just, I was like, uh, and work was like, oh, you better get it by the end of the month because then we don't know if we'll keep doing it, Or I guess. So I just was like, oh, crap, I'm just going to get it. And then now I don't want to ever get a booster, but hopefully they don't make me. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I should be good. Yeah. (laughs) My antibodies probably lasted quite a while. So you're not. Last time through your work you're not mandated to get it so they just um i think it's like the cms guidelines and stuff are mandating it for healthcare workers so they um have come out with that but i'm technically fully you know vaccinated they haven't said that the booster yet is mandated yeah okay so i guess i'm waiting for that but i feel bad for the people that had like really bad outcomes from it you know because there's people that I think are like debilitated and stuff now from having to get it. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's what worries part. us. And that's why we choose the things we've chosen. And, uh, <laughs> anyhow. Uh, yeah. It just sucks that it's such a touchy subject that, I mean, I fully believe everybody's entitled to their own opinion and entitled to make your own choices. And, you know, if you want to get it and you feel comfortable, then that's great. If you don't want to get it and you don't feel comfortable, then that's your choice. Yeah, I think just, it's your it's choice for sad sure. That people can't even have discussions about it anymore. It's like, it's like, I mean, politics and religion has always been something you don't really share all the time, but it's even more so now. 
you know. Yeah, they. I feel like it, there's just such a line with both of those that yeah. it's just too much. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and we've always equated the that right right in line with uh, the religion and the politics. You just don't discuss it with people. Yeah. There's no point. They already believe they're so stuck in their head on one thing, so they're not going to switch sides to see your point of view. They're just going to, all right, well, when you're done talking, I'm going to lay into you and tell you <laughs> what I think about the choices you've made. Yeah. You know, so. But we're going to be open up to that this year in the podcast, so it'll be interesting. You know, it's like I said, it's it's all about information, where you're getting your information from, who's providing it to you, what you believe, you know, which which seat of the or which side of the bus you're going to sit on, essentially. But anyway, I think I think we learned a lot of good stuff yeah. today. Appreciate you being here. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, went a lot more smooth than I than I thought. So yeah, yeah. It's I mean, just you know, something you've never done before. It's always like. Oh my gosh, what's it going to be like? What am I going to sound like? What are they going to ask me? But we try to just keep it laid back and try to just go with the flow. Effortless. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate you taking the time yeah. to do it, though. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it, actually. So a lot of people we've asked, let's well, say not a lot, but um, several people we've asked are like, oh, well, you know, maybe down the road or, you know, they just, <laughs> for some reason, they just have a weird feeling about expressing their Fear. viewpoints or just whatever the situation is we have here so yeah i mean i listen to podcasts like every day but um, what usually they're the mer- uh, mystery like murder mystery ones oh that's me yeah, yeah. that's all Love her. true crime so like <laughs> on my way here i was like hey if i don't text you by this time <laughs> check my thing make sure i'm not like dead somewhere <laughs> yes we lure you in with po- the podcast request and then <laughs> <laughs> right that's so, that's how you guys get people that's yes. totally that's that would be a Maybe that's True why, like, episode. you know, people didn't want to. <laughs> I thought about asking you the other day, like, are you going to murder me? But you know, <laughs> what kind of murderer is just going to say, like, yep, that's what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> her vanity. That's funny. Lured. Now we're going to have to ask people, is that what you're we've, worried about? Yeah, we've lured her in with her vanity. We got one. <laughs> it's good. I got to complete my bodysuit down in the basement. <laughs> just put up some tarps for the next person. Yep, yeah. yep. What do you think these are for? They'll be like, Esther. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these blankets are actually splatter blankets. They're designed by. They're not noise dampening. They're yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I felt safe like that. You were like, oh, I got to pick up the kids from school at this time. I'm like, oh, see, <laughs> see? we're good to go. Like they have to pick up their kids. <laughs> they can't be psycho murderers. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I'm the just life gonna leave you a body leave. in the house with the kids coming home. <laughs> <laughs> Don't open it. up open up that door. <laughs> Although what the Golden State Killer? I'm pretty sure he. He did oh, stuff like that. So. Yeah, I'm sure they, yeah, they all have. It's just things but, you tell yourself. Oh, like it's okay. I get it. I get it. Well, we may be interviewing the lead defense attorney for what? The Jody Arias, Arias case. That sounds familiar. She murdered her ex-boyfriend, like stabbed him 27 times to death. Yeah, um, it was a big case. I mean, it was nationally broadcast, um, and he ended up getting, he either got disbarred or chose to leave law afterwards because he wrote a tell-all book about her without her permission, Oh, and that's a no-no, but um, yeah, it was, I, I always tell people, if you see a picture of her, you would totally know who she was. She was like a real cute, blonde, young, 20-something, and then when she came to trial, she like, totally made herself look 
like just matronly and not attractive and dyed her hair brown and wore glasses and not that brown hair is (laughs) 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 but you know just totally changed her look to make her appearance different and but yeah she was total psychopath i mean sounds like you don't need to stab somebody 27 times yeah well at all serious rage (laughs) (laughs) got a couple issues going on there yeah so anyway, I, I guess we can end it with that. And like I said, we appreciate your time. And uh, it was really nice having you. Yeah, thanks for thank having you. me. You I'm bet. glad I came. Good. Good. Well, we want to thank everybody for your time this time. And until next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>